Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody. Mike here. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast. We're uh, getting into the dog days of August now. I'm looking forward to a couple things like the next Dallas Card Show, which is in early September. I'm I'm making plans on trying to make trips to the Philly Show or out to California to the Burbank Show and just trying to figure out how to incorporate some more baseball trips uh, into my life with my friends and hanging out and all that because it's just so much fun and the national did was a spark for that for me it was like whoa i want to do this more and it's funny for me where inspiration comes from for topics to talk about on this podcast other videos etc but today i had an opportunity to go to a new card shop that i'd never been to before and i'm going to have a video on that uh, it'll be the same day that this comes out over on baseball collector on my channel where I talk about a lot of people don't know. I have another channel besides what happens here on bench clear media, baseball collector, where I talk about just vintage baseball, my collection, just different things beyond just what we talk about here on golden age of cardboard. But I, I went to this shop and I was inspired and I, I really have two topics that I'm going to discuss today. One of which is this card shop and what I saw there and what it made me think about. The second one, it was a question that I got on Instagram, which, oh, by the way, is at Baseball Collector Mike. So if you have questions about, for me, ideas for the show, topics you'd like to hear me cover, please reach out. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I appreciate all the kind words that I get from people week in, week out, day in, day out, really. So thank you for that. And I thought with these two topics that I'm going to discuss today, Wisdom is a key factor in that. And, and wisdom is, you know, where an experience, you know, meets knowledge and you bring those together and, and you form wisdom. And wisdom only comes with time. You can't just be born with wisdom. You have to screw up. You have to have successes and failures in life that lead to wisdom. My dad always says, it's never a mistake if you learn from it. And I've always carried that with me as an adult that that, that great pearl of wisdom that he gave me so long ago, and it's rang true in my life. And, and this hobby, there's another guy I want to bring on to talk through these two topics with me today that does have a lot of wisdom, and that's John Mangini. Hey, John. Hey, Mike. What are you doing today? Causing trouble? Uh, not at all. Never. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, I want to give you some props on a couple of videos that you've done talking about just i'd call it kind of the state of the hobby and where we're at in this idea of this bifurcated hobby of either either you agree or you're wrong if you don't agree with me you're wrong and, and i think that's very societal right now i don't want to get into politics or any of that in fact i don't even know if we agree on politically anything but i think we can agree that our world has become so if you don't agree, I think that's a bad, <laughs> it's yeah. a bad mantra, right? Yeah. I mean, the hobby has changed uh, just drastically over the last few years. Yeah. And not all of us are handling it well, you know? <laughs> right. But what has happened is the, the great, I think, vent, I'm, I'm calling it kind of the, the vintage rush, like the gold rush of the old days, you know, there's this rush towards vintage, <clears throat> which is good for the hobby. I think not necessarily good for you and me. Um, but the reason I wanted to have you on 
especially to talk about the second topic is because you have a lot of experience in what we're going to talk about and that's acquiring vintage cards and where to do that and so many people ask me all the time where do you get stuff and i have some thoughts well you know i'll share what i think you share what you think probably have some points we agree on points we um have different perspectives on which is good which is why you're here but i want to do first i want to do this topic because i got a question um last month from Lauren Inquist. And sometimes when I get things from people on Instagram, I save them because I'm like, okay, I, that's a great topic for discussion when I have this. So here's, here's the question from Lauren. He says, I love your podcast. Thank you for all the time you sink into sharing the hobby with all of us. I am returning to the hobby effort after the typical hiatus. So not an uncommon story, right? Right. All the time. I've noticed for vintage cards that PSA graded cards carry a premium over the other grading services, even BGS. Do you have a sense on what that reason might be? Is there value for us buyers buying a card graded by a reputable grading service versus PSA? Thanks. And I haven't, I didn't tell John this question slash inquiry, <laughs> I guess, before. No, you didn't. I didn't, and because I wanted to get your guttural reaction to it. What are your thoughts when somebody says something like that? Well, I mean, he's on point, right? That's where the hobby's at. Uh, should it be that, that way? I, I don't know. Uh, my gut is, uh, <laughs> you, you know me, Mike, I collect all different slabs. I collect... Um, I don't want to call it raw. Everybody calls it raw and graded. I'm going to call it a card and a graded card. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. Uh, and I've always, I've never understood the fascination why a PSA card, you know, sells so much more than a, 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 another company's card. Like for me personally, like I'm, a, I'm an SGC fan myself. Uh, I have... Lots and lots of PSA cards. I have lots and lots of SGC cards, but it is it it is true, but uh, it's just perception in in my opinion. It's perception, and you know I've been on Facebook groups where people think that anything other than PSA is junk, right? And uh, oh, if it's graded a, a a nine at SGC, then it's going to get a seven or an eight at PSA, and of course we know that's not always the case. That's not true. What's your, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I agree with everything you've said. Um, I think that there is a gap that's closing. I think SGC is closing the value gap in a lot of areas, especially on the vintage side. Um, I've even, like, I have nothing against SGC as a company. I think they're great. I think they run their business incredibly well. I know Peter... I've talked to him privately numerous times. He's the real deal in terms of leadership and what he's trying to turn SGC into. So nothing but good things to say about them. <clears throat> and yet I'm a slave to the set registry. I've said it multiple times. <laughs> right. Um, I do like the consistency in my collection. So there is some OCD to that part of it where I want all the slabs to be the same. Mike, right. I, I, I actually, I, I get that totally. Like, that's one thing I, I, I would like more consistency, honestly. Um, it's just, I seek out the best card at the best price I could find. And so if it happens to be in a Beckett or a whatever, I'll, I'll grab it. But I totally I get, get that. But that's the whole point. We both get, like, I see your point of view completely clearly. And I, and you probably see mine pretty clearly. And it's like, but we, I'm still going to probably do it my way. You're still going to do it your way. <laughs> right. And, and that's okay. Like that's, um, that's, I guess the point. So to answer Lauren's question directly, PSA has a longer track record. I think the gap is closing and I think you should buy the best card that you want to buy for your collection. Damn the slab, you know, slab be damned. What, whatever holder it's in, who cares? I bought a GAI card not long ago, a mini Minoso that I wanted for my collection. I mean, go figure. Um, yeah, I'm going to get it reholdered, but that's, I just, it was such a good price that I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, I think the best answer we can give is that it should be whatever you want. Like, like I buy the best card, but if you want to, you know, if we're talking collecting, then who cares? But if you're talking selling, uh, 
obviously you want to get have it in the slab that's going to get the highest amount of money right um yeah i just think to answer his question directly people just i think there's a there's a snobbiness about psa in the hobby and that's yep i don't know how else and you know you know going back to how i will buy multiple um slabs different different slabs and you like that consistency well Man, there are so many collectors like that. So the difference between me and them is I keep them in these slabs. and, right. uh, and But there are people that will immediately, immediately turn around and submit them. Like they'll, they'll, they'll buy the card that I bought, you know, in a, B, in a Beckett or an SGC. But then they turn around and they have to have it at PSA. So they'll immediately uh, send it in for, you know, a new slab to PSA, a re-slab. Yeah, I, I, I'm not that guy. I, if I have it, again, if it's really one of one of the non-big three, you know, or now you could say four if you, I don't own any CSG holders. Um, I have a few HGA actually, but they're all modern, super ultra modern stuff. So I don't have any interest in fl- in converting those over because I just, I just, I like them. I like cards being protected in a slab versus the card by itself told me not to so i'm not gonna use raw. <laughs> but uh well no cards are raw i mean unless you actually leave them loose right i, I mean most people put them in a, a a magnetic holder or a top loader or a semi-rigid they're they're not raw P, you know a graded card is just a different type of holder a right? different type of protection i mean yeah even if it's in a binder it's not raw anymore it's not exactly on your table yeah that's a great <laughs> i never point. really understood that term yeah that's a great point um, but what I want to spend a bulk of this at, so thank you, Lauren, for the question guys, send them to me. I, I want to incorporate as much of your interaction because it's hard. Podcasts are different. You know, people make write comments all the time on YouTube, but when you're doing a podcast, the only way people can interact with me is through Instagram. And so I welcome that and appreciate every time somebody sends me a message. Uh, most of them are, all of them are great. I've never, nobody's ever written me and told me I suck, but (laughs) I just probably opened myself up to that. Oh, well. (laughs) So, but the bulk of the discussion I want to have today where we'll spend the rest of our time is the question that I've gotten, John, I I don't even know how many times, a lot. Hey, where do you get your stuff? Where is the best place for me to go get cards? Where do I find this stuff? And there's so many answers to that question. Uh, that I think it's important to break down. Maybe I'll, I'll give you one place that you can hunt for cards and you talk maybe John about your experiences, pros and cons that you've had dealing in that type of an arena for the, for the buying of cards, acquiring cards for your collection. Okay. And, and then I'll maybe throw in some two cents here and there. The, the biggest one, every, you know, the biggest marketplace that's out there and we're going to handle this one first is eBay. Right. Yep. Um, Obviously, you can buy, you could probably go search and find darn near anything you want on eBay right now. What do you, when you tell people about buying, especially vintage, we're talking about vintage now, buying vintage on eBay, what are your kind of recommendations slash pearls of wisdom that you might give to people? Well, I'll be honest, Mike. I mean, that's where I've acquired most of my cards. when it uh, when it first came out, I I couldn't believe there was a website, um, an avenue, for me to go on and in a minute find all these obscure or rare cards that I never had access to uh, before, and that is actually my number one source. Yeah, my and, number one source too, by the way, is eBay. Yeah, and it's not necessarily the place I like to buy cards the most. It's simply where I have the most cards available to me right it's it's so convenient you can watch things you can put them in your cart uh you know you could buy things at at, man in in a second right yeah it's it's almost too easy and make offers and you know you you can sometimes negotiate sometimes kind of go back and forth with the seller yeah, you know, the, the, I'll, when you put it on your watch list, you know, sometimes there will be something great on there, but it's under the radar and it'll be on there for a year or six months, you know, a long time. And when you know that, then you can reach out and make an offer or something. 
You know, yeah. I reached out to a guy the other day. I was like, this has been on here for over a year. Do you not want to make me a counter offer? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think people think, well, if it's on eBay and there's not a best offer that you can't make an offer. And that's simply not true. You just private, you know, send message to seller. You know, there's a button you push and you can type in there. Hey, I, I've been watching this card for a while. You've had it at this price. I, I, I would love to own it. And I'm always nice about it. And sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it doesn't. That's okay. You know, I mean, uh, I think, I think those kinds of things work more, more often than not actually. Uh, and you know, the, a lot of times those sellers, they're very honest. They're like, look, I need to get this out of it. If you make this offer, you know, I'll take it. Right. Something along those lines. There's some sellers that I know that I've bought from a lot that I know they have auto accept 10% lower than their, <laughs> right. uh, than their current, you know, their listing price. If it's $40 and you offer 36, it's going to auto accept it, you know, because it's 10% lower. Some are more, some are, some have auto declines, you know, cause I, I lowball everything and I am not ashamed of it. I don't care. Yeah. I want to get the card as cheap as I can. If the guy's willing to sell it to me, it's great. You know, uh, why should I pay full price ever? Uh, I, I just won't. And again, people think I'm hard headed or I'm being cheap or whatever. And my only answer to that is, yeah, I, I want to stretch my hobby dollars as much as I can. I want to buy as many things as I can. I think you and I are both, a quantity of quality type people um you buy a lot higher graded stuff than i do but that's that's okay i, I don't know about that we're, we're very similar and i'm 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 identical in that way too if I, if i can't get it for the the right price then i move on because there's plenty right. of other things to go get exactly and I, i've passed up you know cards that i want just because they're they're just not priced right for me you know and there's so much out there to get. And yes, I'm a quantity guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm and I don't quantity say guy. quantity over quality because just because a card is uh, graded maybe a three or something doesn't mean it's not quality, especially if it's a rare card. I, I, I was showing this Rogers Hornsby and, uh, you know, PSA has graded six of them and the highest graded one is a one. So is that a low quality card? <laughs> right. Right. No, no, and I and I didn't mean if if you heard me say quantity over quality, I didn't say that. I meant quantity of quality. I want a lot of good stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And you know so, what? It's just that's that's something I hear a lot, and I've actually said it. And um, I I don't like that term, uh, quality over quantity over quality. But we all we kind of use it, but it's not really accurate if you think about it. Yeah, I want a lot of quality. So whatever, however you want to say that, I'm going yeah. to buy a lot of good, cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't mean highest graded. That doesn't mean most expensive. That just means cool cards that I like, that I want for my collection. And so, so eBay, you know, certainly the gorilla in the, in the space in terms of where people can buy vintage. And I think when you're buying graded cards on vintage on eBay, it's a lot I'll use the word safer in terms of whether or not you're going to get an authentic card. Is it going to be in the condition that they say it's in buying non graded cards wise can be a crapshoot. I've had good experiences and I've had bad experiences with that over the, I think I first started my eBay account in 1998. <laughs> so yeah. what's that? 24 years that I've been buying on eBay and it, again, buying non-graded is scary, which is actually why I started getting into grading in the first place, because I started buying buying graded cards, because I started buying cards that I was worried, man, if I buy this and spend all this money and it turns out to be fake, shame on me, just buy a graded one, at least someone else has provided a professional opinion on their question of the authenticity of the card. So that's what got me really, I thought grading was a, just buying graded cards was dumb for a long, long time in that world. And about the last 15 years, I've finally said, you know, I'd rather just have them, you know, in a slab. And you, you know what you're getting, right? At that yeah, point. Absolutely. And so just be careful. My, my cautionary tale to people would be be careful when you're buying ungraded cards on eBay. Uh, it may not be what you expect. And 
just kind of caveat emptor there by or beware. And, uh, you know, just, yeah, I mean, I, I've been, beware. I've been doing it so long and most, most sellers put good pictures on there. I know so many of the sellers on there. Uh, so I, there are many that I feel so comfortable with and I know what, I mean, when you're ex inspecting the card and stuff and, and many people may not want to take that much time to look at a listing, but I'm zooming in and I'm, I'm checking things and I'm comparing things. And I really do a, a lot of, a lot of looking at it. And, uh, <laughs> I I've had, I've had nothing but, but good results. Really. I mean, I've had more situations where somebody didn't package it well and sure. something might've happened than I did getting fake or, or altered cards or anything like that. I've yeah. gotten some fantastic cards for next to nothing that grade real high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg Morris cards is one on eBay that if you're buying non-graded, they're, they're a great. Yep. Seller. Uh, that's one that if, if they say it's a <clears throat> excellent to mint card, it's going to be an excellent to mint card. Um, Dean's so is good. We, we had this discussion the other night. Dean's is good. And everybody, you know, they're a little, a lot of these bigger dealers and the ones we're, we're talking about are a little bit more money. Usually, usually you don't get a, a, a ton of phenomenal deals, but you're paying for that peace of mind too. Like Dean's will grade their cards. They give you the, on the back of the card, they grade it themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever got a card from them and sent it in, I'll bet you, you, you got a grade right around there. I'm willing right. to bet. Yeah. Uh, 707 sports cards. It's the same. Super, Another high, super expensive, uh, <laughs> relatively speaking, but they're going to have stuff that no one else does a lot of yeah. times, which is, I got some great stuff from them over the years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he carries some good stuff. So the next thing, uh, the next place uh, I want to talk about buying where you can acquire vintage and, and the pros and cons of that is what I did today. And I went to a card shop, yeah. right? And I think the experience at a card shop, although it's an in-person experience, is still vastly different than a show, okay? Yep. And, and I think we need to differentiate the two. We'll talk about shows in a second. What's your thoughts on buying vintage at a card shop? You know what I love about that? I, I it, it offers an interesting dynamic that you don't necessarily get at a card show and you definitely don't get on eBay or any other platform like that. And that is most of the card shops are owned, you know, owned by a guy and you get to interact with him when you're in there. And he they will share with you like where these cards came from, maybe a little Providence. And if you have a, a, a card shop and you trust them, it, it makes you feel a little more comfortable knowing maybe where they came from and getting a little backstory where he acquired them, how he acquired them kind of thing. And I love that, uh, that interaction with the card shop owner. Yeah. I think the differentiator for a card shop is the ability to build a relationship. Like you yeah. may go to a card shop, five times before you pull the trigger on a certain vintage card. And by then you can versus a card show where it's a relatively quick interaction. You might have a conversation with the dealer, but the reality is it's a very temporary relationship Yeah. versus a card shop where a relationship can last years and decades, even where you're going. I bought tons of stuff from my buddy up in Oklahoma, going in there time after time and finding new stuff or finally, finally pulling the trigger on a, you know, Babe Ruth, Sinella, you know, margarine card or whatever yep. that I had been eyeballing for six months. And every right. time I go in there, I talk about it, you know, or whatever. And you can build that rapport with a dealer where maybe they'll work with you a little bit. Not Again, not to be just, you always want to be on the up and up, but it's okay to build a rapport. Why do I, why do I love, why do I need this card? I'm building this set or I'm, or I'm, I'm a big Ruth guy or Gary, you know, Ernie Banks, name your player, whatever card you're targeting. Uh, you can tell your story too. And that can resonate with, with a hobby shop owner differently than a dealer might be feeling at a table. Um, and usually at a hobby shop, like the one I was in today, first of all, I had no vintage, which was very disappointing. I literally walked out of there buying nothing. Uh, but I always did. disappointing. Always disappointing. <laughs> I, I tried to do a deal on a on a modern card, but couldn't. I wasn't comfortable with what they offer. You know, I they offered me under under what they had on it. Um, 
and and the dynamics are different too. You know, a card shop owner, which is I hear this all the time at the card shops I go to, from the kind of old curmudgeon owners. Oh, I I have to pay rent and salaries, and and that's all true, right? I'm not saying that they don't have overhead, but they're still in the business of selling cards, and so I'm offering. I always have a hard time because I'm offering, you know. You know, and, and a lot of times I get, no, I don't want to do that. Or I don't care what eBay comps are, you know, you'll still yeah. get that in, in any in-person interaction that you might have trying to buy cards. Um, so you just, but I think that building that rapport, building that relationship is a great place. If you can find a shop that actually has any vintage and that's where I was, yeah. you know, well, that's, finding- that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with card shops. The biggest negative is typically their inventory is relatively scarce or it's relatively dated. It's been there forever. You know, I go to a, one of my local card shops, not the one I went to today, but he has the same stuff in the cases. It's all over way overpriced. And I have most of them anyway. And it's like, well, you're not showing, you know, there's nothing new here and it's not doing a whole lot for me. Uh, so it can get frustrating when there's not ample turnover of inventory versus eBay, where the stuff's constantly, you know, you can have saved searches and stuff pops up every day for those yeah. saved searches, you know, or every yeah, day. And it, it, it is hard to find a card shop that, that has a lot of, of vintage cards. Uh, you know, nowadays it's uh, about the packs and uh, a lot of the signature cards and those kinds of things and rookies. And uh, most of the ones that I go into don't have uh, a lot of vintage. I go to one in uh, Myrtle beach and he has, uh, mostly vintage. And I mean, it's fantastic. You could just walk around there for two hours. Yeah. Th- but, those are certainly fun. <clears throat> and how would, how would you describe the difference between that type of interaction to buy vintage versus a show environment? Well, I'm, I'm in the card shop environment is, uh, is, is preferable to me. Uh, for, like I just said, when you go to a show, those dealers are there and then they're gone. Uh, a card shop, they're there and you can go back at any time should something be wrong. And, you know, you have that going for you. And the dealers, oftentimes they just bought the card 10 minutes earlier. Uh, they know nothing about it. They might've got duped. Um, you know, if it's, if it's a card, not a graded card <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> right. but the, but the, the, the good thing about the shows is the variety. Like when I go into a show and, and you're probably the same way, I'm sure is uh, you, you you could just spot that vintage table, man. You just see it uh, out of the peripheral vision and just, you know, run over to it. And, and, and they kind of stand out these days from all the shine. Yeah. I turn on my vintage radar and it is honing in on all the, all the old stuff, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm getting a ping over there and <clears throat> you know, you can walk by in a show and I can tell immediately this is a table that's not for me. Cause it's got, modern ultra modern basketball or or something you know right, like, right. Oh, not, not for me and that's okay uh but what i i do love the variety i think you're 100 on point the variety you'll find at a show you won't find everything even at the right. national you won't everybody says oh if it, if it exists it's at the national that's not true um but because what i don't find at the what i wish was at the national that i don't see it's kind of the, it's all the high end vintage, right? There's tons of that everywhere. If you want to buy a yep. PSA eight mantle, pick your flavor and you're going to find tons of them around the national floor and true of pretty much every major show around the country. I want, I want the PSA fours and fives and sixes and, you know, give me that stuff. And people don't bring that table space at a show. It's very limited. They're, they're, they have a hard, you know, hey, look, we got to bring the stuff that the higher end stuff, because that's going to make our show for us. We're going to be able to pay for us being here and all. And I get that they have overhead, too, and all of that stuff. So <clears throat> I'd love to see more mid grade, you know, vintage kind of stuff at shows. But what I saw at the National, John, this wasn't this was your first national, wasn't it this year? It, it was my first national. And and I was surprised. I was surprised there wasn't more, more um, of the more obscure vintage because I always heard that if it if it exists, it's going to be at the national. No, no, it wasn't. 
I mean, they have lines of 1960 mantles and that kind of stuff lined up and uh, somewhat 50s. Although I found, uh, man, you know, you and I, we like those uh, lower grade but good looking cards, right? The yeah. eye appeal. And I was disappointed in the in the choices of cards from the 50s. They had the eye appeal of them. Yeah. I mean, even if they were graded a, a four or three, you, I didn't see like the ones that I have in my collection that are just look beautiful. They were they they were off center. They had flaws. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I didn't see a lot of good looking 50s cards there. And I, I certainly yeah, didn't see I mean, a, lot, a lot of the cards that I shop for, the more obscure stuff. There were several cards on my radar. I didn't even see one. And there was, right. uh, I, I was looking for a 1959 Bazooka Hank Aaron. I found one and the guy wouldn't budge on price. It, it was overpriced in my opinion. And so I couldn't pull the trigger on that. Uh, but there were some things I didn't even find at all. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'll tell you, my experience from this national 2022 in Atlantic city versus previous ones that I've been to a lot more ungraded cards. At, yeah, to choose I noticed that right away, Mike. I, I noticed, it stood out like a sore thumb. How many, Tons. how much, how much ungraded cards there were? How many? Yeah. And I, again, I think, is it the chicken and the egg? Are people gravitating towards ungraded because graded stuff is so expensive? Are they gravitating towards ungraded because it's just easier? It's more available? I, I can't answer that. Um, I look at it in a little bit of a different way. I took it as they don't want to pay to grade them because it's gotten expensive. hundred percent agree with you there. But yeah, yeah, that's why it's all not graded. And you used to ask the question two or three years ago of if, if a vintage card isn't graded, what's wrong with it? Because it was so cheap to grade. Why wouldn't you grade it? You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and now you can't say that you can't say, well, why, you know, something's wrong with this card, obviously, or else the, it looks really good to me, but something must be amiss because it's not graded. You can't say that anymore. And and people think, well, it was around three years ago. Why didn't they grade it then? Not, I've just, I can tell you from experience with chasing cardboard and other things that I'm finding lost vintage collections and I'm not the only one looking for them. I mean, my point is there's a lot of vintage out there that's in the, the closets attics and basements of people all over this country that is being surfaced and coming onto the market all the time. I talk to other dealers and they're buying collections all the time of ungraded, untapped vintage. And because of the cost of grading, like you said, John, those are, those are staying in raw form and in, in ungraded form and they're getting out to the market and they're, they're getting out there. It's a, it's yeah, a great they, time if you're a raw guy. There's no doubt. I say that all the time. I say that all the time. There's a lot more raw out there than than you think. Uh, and that's exactly why. I mean, your average Joe is not going to spend $10,000 to have their, their uncle's uh, or their father's cards graded. They're just not going to do that. And right. uh, I mean, when, when it comes time to sell and maybe they go to an auction house or a dealer, somebody like that, and maybe at that particular time, they might suck it up once they have that assessed. But you're right. These things are sitting in their closets. And believe me, there's a lot more than people think out there. You know, I mean, if I wasn't on YouTube, you wouldn't know the amount of raw cards I have sitting in here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, the price to, to price to grade, if you're not going to make a $500 margin or something, <laughs> you know, it's just not worth it. <clears throat> and so you see the big cards graded. And, and the other thing is people aren't going to pay a lot of money for those big cards if they're not graded because you're worried about it. But I, I, I say this, I think you've heard me say this, it would cost me like a million dollars to grade all my rock cards, Mike. Am I going to yeah. do that? I mean, yeah. even, even to grade um, a, a large portion of them, you know me. I'd rather go buy new cards. That's right. Uh, than spend all my money uh, to the you know to PSA. But so that's I'll just show, me. I'll show a couple cards here to you. The great examples of exactly what you're talking about. Um, here's a fifty beautiful fifty eight tops Gil Hodges. Oh yeah, new, new Hall of Famer, greatly centered. It's sitting in my to to send to PSA someday. Uh, a sixty one Gil Hodges that I have raw. A sixty three Jim Cott. These are kind of newer guys that I picked up some raw cards of theirs. Mini Minoso, another you know, sixty-seven Jim Cott that are just waiting. I I'm, have I'm every waiting. one of those raw. 
<laughs> right. I do. I, yeah. Well, you just bought some rock cards off of an old collector, right? And you had them graded. I and did. They, gra- they graded right around what you thought, right? Yeah. Uh, and they were higher grade. end. They were. And, and, the, and that's where grading for multiple reasons made sense. Even though I paid $200 a card at the National, I took the money I had sp- spent for them to buy the cards, the money plus the grading, and I, and I, and I added significant value by grading them. Yeah, now that's that's one of those scenarios where I'm saying like you trust the providence of those cards, right? 100%. But I right. still wanted them to be authentic. I still wanted a, another opinion. I thought they were real based no, on everything. No, yeah, 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 but what I mean is you felt more comfortable buying them because because of who you were buying them from. 100%. Right? 100%. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel uh, back to the discussion of the card shop when you can yeah. you go there all the time and you can interact and and maybe they'll tell you about the providence a little bit you know the background story where these cards came from and yeah. so forth i had uh you know i picked up some cards from my dad had a, a friend and and he wanted to raise money for his grandchild to go to college and he gave me all his old cards i mean they're still in binders they're from when he was a kid you know i i have no doubt these are all legitimate cards and unaltered you know other, aside from uh the you know they weren't <laughs> the ones that weren't in the best condition uh, altered from being in somebody's pocket or something like that. But you know what I mean? Right. That's not altered. That's played with. That's, right. That's... But, uh, you know, the providence of, of cards coming from a priest from when he was a kid, I feel, conf- uh, you know, a lot of confidence in those cards. Yeah, for sure. Um, another place now, you know, in our world today, uh, a lot of card deals are happening on Instagram, Facebook, a lot of, I know you're a big Facebook guy. Um, I belong to a few groups, but nothing where I'm buying cards on those platforms. Has your experience been a positive one on those types of platforms? It's been positive and negative. Um, I, I, man, I I don't feel like I've ever gotten scammed on eBay, but uh, I had a few bad experiences early on, on Facebook when I was just getting back into the hobby, feeling my way wasn't really familiar with the brand new cards that were out there and over uh you know in the two th- upper 2000s i was relearning the modern cards um and there were people on there they would uh i don't know like ask you for a check and then it turns out they're total scammers um i i had i i ordered these two tall boys cards and one came and when i looked at it when i got it it had a pen mark under his eye and I reached out to the seller and I was like, there's a pen mark under his eye. And he's, you know, telling me basically I put the pen mark there. I'm like, why the hell would I put the pen mark on a card I want? Like, what sense does that even make? Uh, right. You know, um, it's just stuff like that. I, I So you, it's hit or miss. But then I, there are fa- fantastic sellers on there, too. So I think you have to. And, and it depends on the group. You know, some of those groups are policed very well. And the admins keep a close eye on all that. But, you know, Facebook, you can just get an account, uh, scam somebody, they shut you down. You get a new account with a totally different name. Nobody knows you're the same person. Uh, so it's it's much more risky. It's much more risky than eBay. And there's nobody to go to if you do get scammed. Where are you going to go? Right. Versus I mean, you eBay, can, if you eBay. pay PayPal, you know, you could make a claim with them. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of nonsense for nothing this is a waste of time yeah i don't want anybody to hear what john's saying and say don't do that that's not his point no it, and that's not what i'm saying i've got right. some fantastic cards on there for good prices i that's not what i'm saying i'm yeah, just saying just it's riskier careful. just be careful yeah like anything right i mean <clears throat> i have a laundry list of times i've been duped on different things mainly autographs that i've bought that i should have known better um and i still bought it anyway and but sometimes that's worth, you know, so. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, no, no, no venture in your life, no, no hobby, no, nothing at work is ever going to be perfect. You're going to encounter stuff, uh, you know, it's just never going to be perfect. I don't care if you have somebody coming over doing some construction at your house, whatever you engage in in life is never going to be perfect all the time. Right. 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 Totally. And um, certainly nothing worthwhile. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, <laughs> there's some new places I bought cards on things like My Slabs. I think it's a great alternative to eBay. The variety is significantly less. 
um, but you can find some stuff on places and platforms like that. They're usually policed really well. The, the last one I want to go into is auction houses. And I get this question a lot, like, who are some reputable auction houses? Well, it's a long list of reputable auction houses. There's actually quite a few. And I know you and I have both bought a lot more in the past than I have recently because people have caught on to this. I used to get amazing deals years ago on auction house items because it was a relatively untapped marketplace. People weren't you know, engaging in that, or they thought you had to be some super rich guy to be on an auction house. And that's not true. That's a complete uh, misstatement of the truth. You, you can be any dude, you can buy a $10 card or, or a $10,000 card. There's a lot of high end stuff on there, no doubt, but there's, there's regular stuff. I'll call it regular stuff too, for us, regular Joes like you and me, <laughs> but yeah. I used to do that a lot more. Um, and a great resource, I don't know if it's still around. I better not give it because I don't know. There used to be this cool resource um, where you could, let me just look it up. You talk about auction houses while I'm looking this up. What's your experience been? So I've only ever bought from an auction house twice. And um, one was this Sunday on REA. <laughs> I, I missed out on everything I bid on on REA. I got blown I missed- away. Yeah, I heard that from everybody. I mean, everybody I know got like one or two things and got blown out on everything else. I got blown out on everything, but I I, I won my backup, Mike. I had a backup <laughs> plan because I found um, a man just a fantastic uh, complete set in uncut in two uncut sheets of uh, play, 1941 Playball, but the paper version, which are way way more you know scarce than the regular ones. And uh, so I was talking with Rick and he's like, well, I would like to have one of those. So, uh, you know, we'll have these it or whatever. And I wanted the, the top one because most of the ones on the bottom sheet, I already have the paper versions uh, in singles. So I wanted the top one and it had, uh, you know, Hank Greenberg, and Ted Williams. And uh, so I bid on that and I was afraid I would get outbid on it. So as I was just scrolling through and I didn't really look through the auction much, I found a second bottom sheet, uh, which some good players, including some of my Pittsburgh pirates on there. So I'm like, I'm going to bid on this. And, and uh, just in case I get outbid on that other one. So like five minutes before the auction closed, I got outbid on, on the other one. And uh, I won, I won the bottom one, the, the secondary bottom one. <laughs> so at least I got one. And I can right. frame it. It's going to look fantastic. Yeah, I, I've bought dozens, if not hundreds of items on auction houses over probably the last 10 to 15 years. And uh, it's actually probably longer than that. And I've had nothing but great experiences. You got to be careful in terms of remembering that you're paying a, a premium on top of your hammer price. So if it ends yeah. at 100 bucks, you're really paying... 120-ish plus shipping and insurance and and you can get nickel and dimed a little bit so just just know that don't don't bid more than you're willing to pay factoring those things in and making sure that you realize that i found the resource john i want to share it uh you you probably know about this but if you don't i'm i'm excited that you might learn something new here um i'd be excited too <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be surprised if you don't know about this but um, here's a website and I'm showing it on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're on uh podcast, oldcardboard.com, oh, which yes. is like, Hey, that's it's, it says your information resource for vintage cards. Like it, it's a great place. To, I want, yeah. Have you, have you seen this before? I used to subscribe to the magazine and it's okay. the most, uh, it's the best magazine for the really old stuff you could ever imagine. And I never threw a single one away because every, every one was just jam packed with useful information. That's where I learned about all the old strip cards, cards from the 1800s, a lot of the e-cards. That was a fabulous, fabulous magazine. Well, one of the things they have right here on their homepage is the auction slash show calendar. And if you click on that, it'll give you all the major auction houses. If they're having, you know, They've got auctions that are in August and September and October and kind of all these different things. And they're constantly updating it. So you'd want to check. It's not like something you fire and forget. 
And what's great on the website, this calendar, is they have a link directly there. If you want to go to Love of the Game Auctions, for example, that's ending on August 20th, you can click on, on the link and go right to the website and check they out. Have they have some fabulous stuff on there, too, because I know some guys looking at it. <laughs> They're yeah, sending they me sending me uh, pictures of what they, they want to bid on. I mean, you can't get much safer than an auction house, right? So, yeah. So, great resource. If you're curious about auction houses, you want to look into it, you know, I welcome the competition. I, I've long since given up that I'm going to keep anybody from finding anything. I'd rather share the knowledge and expand the hobby and help people find cool stuff for their collection than try to act like I have some information that's not readily available. So I'd rather share it. Hey, I'm going to tell you about my first auction experience. And it was the first one until Sunday. Okay. And uh, it was back in like around 2003 or four, uh, right before I quit, uh, basically, because I started traveling around for work. And, and so, so anyway, uh, they had a, a live auction. And man, was that fun. And I found this card I wanted. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, it was a low starting bid and everything. So I went, I made myself a pot of coffee. I went and got on my computer and I sat there, you know, watching the auction and it was, it was live. So you could put your bids in and everything. And it was, it was really fun. And I won a, uh, it was a 1915 Cracker Jack Eddie Sakati in a five, which is, that's high grade for those cards. And uh, yeah, so I ended up winning it. And I ended up selling it, too, because uh, it's, it's just not a card that's, like, uh, aesthetically pleasing to me of all the um, Eddie Scotty cards and, and other vintage cards. And so I, I got it undervalued, and I could sell it for a, a, a profit. And I finally sold that, went out and bought other vintage with the money. <laughs> there you go. But I kind of regret it only because, and I rarely say this, Mike, I rarely say this because I'm not, I'm not a grading junkie, but... Um, it was, you know, it was a nice five and it's just not easy to find those Cracker Jacks in fives too often. That card's yeah. probably worth, uh, 7,000 now. Right. We all, I, we could all tell, we could spend the next hour talking about our regrets and the hobby of things we, we got rid we of. We could spend the next month talking about that. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> well, John, um, thanks so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you for your time, bringing your level of experience and expertise and just wisdom to this discussion guys when you're out there looking for vintage just be careful um you're gonna get look like john said you're not gonna do it perfect you're gonna make mistakes and just learn from them you know yep. just take that as a you know part of your course for <laughs> learning about vintage people are, how do i not make mistakes you're not going to not make mistakes like that's just Good luck with that. Uh, good luck having that happen. Any final thoughts, John, before we close up well, here? Today? I mean, that's that's great advice because, you know, that's how I've learned. You, you make a mistake, man. You don't do that a second time. Right. <laughs> right. So it, it could save you from making a big mistake later. Yeah, yeah for sure. But you got to get out there. You got to you got to experience these cards. You got to know what they look like, feel like, smell like. Um Compare them, you know, the, because really it's just experience. The more yeah. experience you have with these cards, you'll – I could spot fakes, I swear. Just they just don't look right to me. I can't even explain why they don't, but you just get this this sixth sense, really. Uh, they just don't look right. You just stay away from them. Yeah, there is no substitute for experience. And unfortunately, that doesn't come overnight. It right. takes time. Yep. And so be patient. Um none of the most excuse me, not most of the vintage stuff is not rare. It is, you can buy a mantles whenever you want, you know, don't feel like, oh, I've got to get this right now. Be patient, learn about it, make sure you're getting the the best bang for your buck, so to speak. And, and rely on other people, you know, ask other people, get people's opinions. There's lots of people that are willing to share and help and they get excited. I, I remember at the show, you know, getting excited for my favorite, for your friends as they would buy cards that you would, that you love to, or. And you just you get, man, let me help you buy that. Let me help just be another non-emotional voice in your head helping you. Because we get emotional about our own card purchases. Believe me. Like, I really want this. It just, but tell me I'm crazy. You know, Andrew, Nuff said cards, my cardboard whisperer, who's 
talk me out of some bad deals and talk me into some really good deals that I don't regret. And, you know, having resources like that is important too. Yeah. I think, I think one thing we should hit on before we wrap this up is, you know, if you're getting new into vintage, you don't necessarily know what to pay. Uh, And, you know, when I want to buy, I only know card prices at two times. If I, when I want to buy one or if I happen to be selling one, right. And, if you go onto eBay and just take a look, take a look at other cards, that particular card selling in a similar condition, it'll give you a good idea of what people are asking. And so you, you have some idea what you need to pay for that card. And that way you don't, you know, you're not overpaying for everything and you're not just paying what people are asking. It is the question I get asked the most is somebody will send me a card on Instagram that they're thinking about buying what should I pay for this? Right, right. And like you just said, dude, if I already own it, I don't know. I don't track the prices really. And <laughs> I'm not going, and it I, might I be mean, a different grade than I have or what, you know, I don't know. People, people think we're walking, we're walking Beckett right. uh, price guides, you know? Right. <laughs> it's like, I get that all the time. I'm like, I have no idea, especially now, because right. it, it could be different next week. And, uh, but if yeah. I haven't looked at the price if I haven't shopped for it, how would I have any idea what it was going for? You know, I, I might have a ballpark, but I wouldn't know for sure. Yeah. So my answer to that typically is, hey, go look at it, which is it sounds like I'm being uh, snarky. Yeah, I know. Like, right. Look, I can, I you can look on way. eBay. You can look on eBay just as easy as I can. I don't right. Know, if you want me to do the work for you, fine. But go. you need to learn how to do this. I want to teach you how to fish, not just give you a fish so you can not ask me every time. And so do, do your homework. You know, we say that all the time, but it's true. And tonight, John, thank you for being a part of it. And hey, thanks uh, for having guys, me. Hope you guys learned something. Hope you got some nugget out of this and uh, that you can add to making your PC awesome and something that you love and cherish. So that's it for tonight, guys. Uh, we'll t- tune in next week. We'll have another episode, not probably with John Mangini, but John, thanks for being <laughs> here. Appreciate you, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. See you guys later. Keep collecting.